Hey, this is uh, Jay Gonzo, creator of La Mano del Destino, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> I was very enthusiastic. Well, it's almost like he's looking forward to something later in the week. I wonder what it could be. I don't know. He's going to get something. Oh, I'm getting where you fit in, Of course, CRP, you were in there, weren't you? Oh, no, we took my car to, uh... Correct. Yes. CRV later, you know what I mean? Trying so hard. <laughs> so cute. I'm gonna buy all the books. You buy all the books? I'm gonna buy them all of them. Dude, Vince, you're gonna love the heroes. There's so many of the books. Nice. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna buy all. There ain't the- no celebrities. Oh, nice. There ain't no movie premieres. Nice. Ain't no video game booths. Okay. What What there is is artists, fans, and books. Nice. I'm gonna buy all the fanzines. I'm gonna buy all the pulps. I'm gonna buy all the monster magazines. I'm glad I'm taking the CRV because it's gonna be loaded. Damn. Well, I'm gonna buy all the arts, so we better make sure we got lots of room in that trunk. I'll put the Big Mac attack up on top. Yes. I got one of them. Nice. Yes, sir. Yes. Hey, everybody. Look at this. A little bit earlier than usual. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 479. Where does the time go? Mm. It's compressed. It's like, it's like we were just talking the other day. Yeah, and I am Vince B. You are Vince B. And there's a reason why it's a little early. I don't know if the listeners are aware of something that's happening this weekend, but I am David A. Price. I think they're aware. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are, and I am Dino Mutt. Oh, you're not Dino Mutt. Why'd you pick that, by the way? I don't know. I just sometimes when yeah. I go to pick something, I, I I clear my mind and whatever comes to it. Totally random. Rang on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're not Dino Mutt. You're Jason Wood. Everybody, all together. How many seasons do you think Dino Mutt was on TV? Two. That's correct. Oh, that's anticlimactic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do know some things. You know a lot of things. I don't, but I have a very selective memory. When pressed, I usually forget it, but off the cuff like that, I remember it. Okay. <clears throat> so let me ask you then. Now, see, I'm going to get pressured, and I'm not going to get it. Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics. That was the show that Dynamo was on. Yeah. What were the five cartoons that were on that show? Oh, boy. I don't know. Hair Bear Bunch? Nope. I don't know. You had the Scooby-Doo show. Okay. You had Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? You had the Blue Falcon and Dynamut. Right. Mm-hmm. That was fun. You had Laugh Olympics. And then you had Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. Ah. Uh, I actually didn't quite care for that. Laugh it's interesting. They must have shown these in reruns all the time because I watched these a million times, but they came out in 76 and 77, which I would have been 
two and three, respectively. Mm-hmm. So they must have showed them on loop on Saturday mornings <laughs> for a lot of years. He has to say respectively. Like, of no. Course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> In aggregate, I would have been two and three. Why, do, why are you effing with me, Don? Because <laughs> I love you. Getting ready. I'm going to see you in 48 hour and you me- you're messing with me. Yeah. Yep. 36 hour. And You've been you, here four hour. You go now. You don't. Oh, oh, man. You don't have to keep track of the numbers at Discount Comic Book Service. They'll do it for you. And rest assured, all those numbers will be very low. You can get your books, get them delivered right to your home for a fraction of what it says on the cover. Such as from Valiant. It's Divinity number zero of four. Written by Matt Kent. Artist is Renato Guedes. Uh, Juan Jose Rip did the cover. This is a big deal. Three ninety nine cover price. Your price? Do the math. $1.99. From IDW. Donald and Mickey, number one. Both magazines are now combined into one 48-page, I'm hoping monthly, with a five ninety nine cover price. But that's not what you're going to pay. You're going to pay half that, $2.99, for the opportunity, I'll say it again, just so I make sure you all are paying attention, mm-hmm. the opportunity to experience some Disney Donald and Mickey stories that have never been reprinted in the United States. What's wrong with you? Get on this. And last, but certainly not least, our buddy, he's going to be at Heroes Con. We're going to love him and hug him and take him home, Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson. It's Extremity, Trade Paperback, Volume 1, subtitled Artist. sixteen ninety nine cover price. You can have it for a paltry $8.49. That's half off. It's a bargain. It is a bargain. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions. Believe me, they don't mind order editions. And get your books delivered right to your home. All you got to do is go to the door. That's it. You can even get someone to go to the door for you. So you really Mm -hmm. don't even have to move. Very true. Save to read them. So, yeah, go there. DCBService.com. Whoop, whoop. My dudes. Yes. Yo. It is 11 o'clock on Tuesday. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) We will be embracing lovingly in... uh, What are we talking here? Um... 32 hours? Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. Well, it's I'm the hero's virgin. Never never been. No, I just made it be nice if we could have seen each other between now and... Oh, here now. we go. With what the, with the, with the maudlin. You sure you're not Catholic? You've got to be Catholic. Right, right yeah. Matt Murdock over here. <laughs> <laughs> Batlin Dap Murdock. <laughs> <laughs> So what are we drinking? I'm just going to tell you, so you can pick me up when I'm down. I am drinking Diet Pepsi, straight out of the two liter bottle. Ooh, How is it? can you not can you not tell by the quality of my voice that I am tired? Well, then you so need to so rest up a lot. Well, no, I had a long hot day. I needs this caffeine because I got a lot of comic books to talk about. Oh, you do, yep. you do. All right, I'm going to pick us up then. Okay. San Pellegrino player. Whoop, whoop. The Italian water, baby. Non-flavored, just straight green bottle? Straight green bottle. And I have to tell you folks out there, maybe who are living in the sticks, what have you, 
do yourself a favor, get some Pellegrino because I love seltzer. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. As you all know, I, I drink it a lot on the show, much to Dap chagrin. Chagrin. Mm. But Pellegrino is a different beast entirely. It is. It, uh, the bubbles are soft. What? Little. Very tiny. They're little tiny bubbles. Like soap. Tiny bubbles. And the carbonation. And it just no. makes for better mouthfeel. It does. Mm. It really is good. Because it, it doesn't taste like your traditional seltzer because of the because of the smaller, softer bubbles. Oh, she is. I'm in another damn universe. What is going on here? You're talking about what? seltzer. No, we're not. We're talking about Pellegrino. That's not seltzer. No. It's got bubbles in it and it's water. It's mineral water. Oh, right. mineral water. Does it give you the toots? No. No, but it does it it does um slim me down a bit. So I do like it. I like it a lot. Like it a lot. But anyway, more importantly for all of our listeners out there, at least we know at least one of us is gonna actually pick us up. Dap, what you drinking? I am drinking some Redwood Creek Cabernet Sauvignon. No. Alright. Alright, respect. That's alright. That's cool. I mean, yeah, that's all right. I mean, you know. Yeah, you're all right. Not like, I mean. We will allow it, is what we're saying. Yeah, you know. I appreciate it. good, I guess. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to pace myself because, you know, I've got to make sure I can compete with you guys this weekend. Oh, man. I have had such little imbibation over the last few months that two beers at the. Western Bar, and I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm like, uh, Scotty on, uh, Zinfandel. <laughs> on Riesling. On Riesling. <laughs> yeah. Well, well that's Scotty. Good. That'll be cost effective. Then you can save more money for the books. All the books. Or the art, whatever. All right. Well, Jason, this year it's all the art. Yeah. Do we have any thank yous before we run down this long list of books we want to cover here? I don't think no, so. No, I don't think so. No. I'm good. I'm good. Although, right. well, sort of, kind of. Okay. I mean, we'll talk about it more next week. But huge, huge shout out to our boy, Brian Bander, for... Oh, how stupid. Yes. Go ahead. Keep, keep he, going. He, uh, he... And it's... I, I absolutely... I, I love surprises. I absolutely would have loved to have been... Surprised when I see Cliff late Thursday or Friday morning. Um, but I understand why Brian told me ahead of time. And, and Jason mentioned it. I believe he mentioned it on the air. I know you mentioned it to us, but I think that, um, Brian hooked Jason and our boys Cliff and Justin with jam pieces. He kicked them off with a, with one character. Uh, from a team and the guys are going to run around heroes and try to fill up as many squares as possible. So it's brand new. It's Virgin Jam. Brian kicked it off. Beautiful layouts. Um, but he also surprised me with a Boahaha Justice League, uh, kicking it off with Batman. And it looks yeah, absolutely amazing. And, and he, uh, he, he told me that he wanted to give me the heads up. So that I could start planning and hitting up some artists and, and hopefully allow their schedules to, uh, their, their schedules will allow a, a, uh, a square or two for me. So I generally, I, I've been real lucky. I really wouldn't, the few jams I've, I've, well, the one jam I completed and then the, 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 the two that I started, I've really just kind of 
winged it. The only person kind of has the only person who has claimed a square is Uncouth Mike Ruth, who wants to do a Grendel square, um, probably at New York. But normally, I go into a con and I just if someone's available, if if um, if they if they have a breather after Jason's done with them, then then, then <laughs> I try to you know I ask if they have a few minutes and if they can do something great. But I so I never really go in with a plan. But I, but I absolutely I, I I understand Brian's thinking behind it and and I love it. And um, over the next day or two, uh, as I look over the list again, um, I'll see if anybody is available who, who's in the mood for a Justice League era. Uh, one of the characters from. That beautiful run. Um, so thank you very, very much, Brian. I cannot wait to uh, get it in my hands. Yes. It was very, very nice of him. And I don't have a thank you, but I have a service announcement to make. What? Mm-hmm. What do you mean, what? Spay and neuter your pets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. That that as well. No, it's about heroes. Oh. Mm. I know because, what it's going to be about. Yes. There are panels at Heroes. And I will be moderating three of them. And I want our listeners to pimp it and to come show up for them. Show their love. Because there, there may be like a surprise guest or two, right? A pa- uh, maybe. <laughs> a packed room is, is an engaging room. It is. Right? Yep. I'm going to ask a question. In which panel? All of them. Is this a surprise? Well, on Friday... At 3.30, in room 208, I'm going to have the pleasure of sitting down with Fabian Nicieza mm-hmm. and Terry Dawson. Nice. In what is admittedly to me a little bit of an odd-themed panel. Yes. But it is what it is. The theme of the panel is Deadpool and Harley Quinn. I don't think that's odd at all. Cut from the same cloth. Well, yeah, but I... Well, right, but... Fabian and I understand... And a little oh, more. Okay, you mean the Dodson part? But yeah. Dodson, Dodson, well, only because. No, so, go ahead. Should be Joe Casey. Well, no, with Harley Quinn, uh, he the Dodsons did beautiful work with Carl Kessel writing, right? Uh, right. In in the yeah, that's true. Early two thousand. So I mean, that was I and I have that run. I absolutely I, I thought it was great. Um, it's not the same Harley though. Ran with it to the. It's not the new fifty two Harley. It's right. the Mad Love Harley, which is fan, right. which is, which is what I preferred and which was available at the time. They weren't thinking of grim and gritty Harley Quinn back then, but um, so I absolutely. It's it's interesting that they got the writer of Deadpool and an artist of Harley Quinn, um, but it should still be. Uh, I, I have a couple of questions. I think I'd like cool. to. Ask. Well, I'm going to play it by ear. You know, I think that on that one, because both gentlemen have, I don't think either gentleman's careers are defined by those characters. Um, They both did, Terry is still doing decades of of, of excellent work and lots of other things. So I'm not going to be a slave to that as the underlying topic. Now, if, if, if we can go with it and the audience is all up in it, cool. But I suspect we'll be talking more about their careers in general. Uh, just because I, I I don't know it, I just don't want it to be awkward for an hour where right we're just. I think that's in. a wise approach. Yeah. Um. So that's Friday. So Vince is going to get a question ready for that. Yep. Now Saturday is the panel that was was the brainchild here. We came up with this one, and that is uh, original art collecting. 
the, this is admittedly the one that I'm probably most excited about because it was the one I pitched. That will be on Saturday at 11:30, so right after the doors open, right after the doors open. So I got to get my got to get my jam pieces on lock before I go to the panel room. I have to logistically plan there. Um, but I will be on stage with uh, our buddy Felix Liu of Felix Comic Art, who is not only one of the best reps around, but has an incredible personal collection, including much to uh, Dap's envy, the uh, cover of the first issue of Mage. Yeah. Uh, also joining us on stage will be the aforementioned Daniel Warren Johnson, who is one of the most in-demand commission artists in the planet right now. And also, um, I just recently found out, an avid collector himself. And then last but certainly not least, uh, and a name probably our listeners are least familiar with, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Singh. And Jeff... You can, for those of you that are interested, uh, do Jeff Singh comic art fans go to his page? He has an absurd collection. I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of of legendary pieces. So he will be joining us as well, and uh, we're hoping it's going to be a nice collaborative, audience driven discussion. I've got a, a bunch of of key topics, things like uh, Grail pieces and commissions versus published and. All sorts of things like that, but but again, I'm hoping it's interactive for sure because I just think that makes for a better panel. And then uh, last but hopefully not least, on Sunday at noon, so not too long before we uh, we take off and, and head back, sadly back to the uh, the north the north uh, the north coast, uh, is mastering comics merchandising, which and again this is not one I put together. I was asked to moderate this. Uh, and that will be Rico Renzi, who pretty much runs the Heroes Convention. Uh, our buddy Andrew McLean. Um, Jim Mafood, who I've never had the pleasure of, of, of speaking to before. And Sarah Dyer. And that will be a discussion about how to, you know, sell and optimally cake up on merchandise. Nice. I have my question already for that one. Nice. I'd be like, Andrew McLean, yo. Is there a limit to the amount of these vinyl Norgles that I can buy? I uh, know, right? Seriously. I want yep. I want all. Now they have blank ones, too. I they, wish I had thought ahead. We should have had threadless T-shirts, EOC shirts for each of them that I could have handed out on stage and like merchandised our own merch. That would have been class. Damn it. Gee. You can maybe give them one of your own. Eh, I already stank on it. That's all right. That's even better. How long do they take? How, how, how long did they take to get to you? Because we could order them mm. and have them shipped to the west. Nah, it's business days. It's it's, ah. it's yeah yeah. Anyway, well, best laid plans. But, maybe so next there you go. Time. Yeah, maybe next three time. three glorious panels, and you can get all those details we just ran by uh, on our website eleven o'clockcomics dot com. There's an article uh, link you can click on. Heroes Con panels has all them informations. Nice. So hopefully we'll see you there. Cool. Let's start with a little bit of controversy. How about that? Oh, I like it. There's a couple of controversial books we're going to talk about. Oh, I'm looking at the list. I uh, okay. Twenty four. I don't think that's controversial. I think that's brilliant. But whatever. Well, that doesn't mean it's not controversial. Okay. Let's You're burying the lead. No, this is. I think this is the lead. Let's take a little look at the divided states of hysteria. Number one by Howard Chaikin, written and illustrated mm. by Howard Chaikin. Color art by Jesus Abutov and letters. Unfortunately, no, no. Well, in, I, this, in this instance, a big it, hell yeah. It's 
Okay. The letters in the balloons are clear. Right. Let me tell them who it is first. Ken Brusenak. Ken Brusenak. Yes. yes. Um, the letters are clear. The um, the sound effects uh, when they work, they they work. I, I okay. We'll get into the book, but I I appreciated the book a little more after reading Ken's process talk in the back matter. Um, and also, oh shit, I can't believe I did that. And when, uh, when, when, when Shaken was kind of given the, um, the background, the backstory of, um, of how this book came to be because it was announced, I believe, last March of 2016. But please, Vince, continue. Okay. Uh, full disclosure, initial read, I borderline hated it. Second read through, because I'm always willing to give Mr. Chaikin another pass. Second read through, I enjoyed it. What does that mean? Uh, I can only guess. I'm, I'm leaning towards the data stream that is so prevalent in this book, which was illustrated by Mr. Ken Brusenak. There is text all over the place mm-hmm. on these panels. All over the place. And yeah. that was very, very distracting to me. Conceptually, it succeeded because the info space is very distracting. Massively. We're we're all tapping into it on a constant basis, more often than others, but some more often than others. But it's it's just there's tweets mixed in with these panels. There are streams of gibberish and code. There are caption boxes, which are the most offensive thing to me. I would expect yes. Oh, with the blue. Oh, yes, I, I would expect someone of Mister Bruzenek's experience to know that white text on that background is going to look like poopy, and, and it does look poopy. right. And then right. with the red sh- shadow box, it's just oh god, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the red shadow box makes no sense. <laughs> it whatever, right? But but anyway, the story is very compelling to me because this is the times in which we live. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, CIA officer Frank Villa. Frank's a player. He's got a woman and kids back home. He's got a, a very attractive squeeze in the bed next to him. Always. Yeah. And um, Frank's a little nervous because um, in light of recent events, and the recent events are the uh, United States was – uh, succumb to a potential coup wherein the president and many of his um, cabinet members uh, and representatives were killed. So they had to descend down the chain of command, bypassing all of the dead people to get to the new president. And it just so happens it's a woman. Mm-hmm. So it did, now they didn't Chaikin wasn't specific in the fact that it was the first woman. The president's just a woman. It doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, so Frank is a little worried. He's he, All of his, his feelers, all his markers are pointing to a terrorist attack on Washington, D.C. And he starts, you know, making his feelings known. And people are just like, nah, Frank, you're just 
you're, you're, you're gun shy. You got the heebie-jeebies. You know, we've all been under a lot of pressure. Look what happened. Of course, you think the other shoe's going to drop. I'm telling you, it's not. And Frank's like, I'm, no, you listen to me. It's happening. So meanwhile, while we get the backstory on, on, on Frank and, and his concerns, we're introduced to a number of really despicable people. <laughs> you got John Henry Noon, an angry black man who just can't stop blowing away white folks. And he got, what, nine of them? Yeah, he was going for mm-hmm. a dozen, but... Yeah, he, he, he let himself down in the, in the fact that he only got nine, but... and he Nine lament- in two weeks. Right. And he, he lamented the fact that one of his uh, assistants, who was black, died in in the uh the the skirmish but so i mean that's an acceptable loss to to uh mr john henry noon and i like the fact that his last name is no one mhm that's cool um also all of these people like proper serial killers uh have three names in some mm-hmm. case four mm-hmm. uh we get michael christopher silver a ch- transgender prostitute who blew the hell out of her aggressive Johns. Now I think yeah. I think she's justified because they were getting pretty nasty. They they oh, were pissed yes. off because they thought she she's so convincing as a woman that when they got in the sticks and realized that there was a little bit more meat on the bones than there should be, they got all pissed off. And, and I mean, it was it wasn't supposed to go that way. Um, it was really just supposed to be a lot of. Uh, Mouthfeel. She had uh, right. explained, you know, what was what was going on down there. <laughs> off limits. And, uh, just you know, I mean, she gave them all the excuses. I'm on the rag. It's just it's not good for me. So um, one of them got a little, a little frisky, a little friendly, and uh, pulled the panties off and was alarmed to uh, see something extra. So before we go further. Have we ever dissected what's the deal with Chagan's obsession with 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 transsexual people? Because they're in every comic he's ever done. Uh, obsession? Yeah, I guess you can call it that. I would say a guy that has drawn dozens of issues of different comics and different series with tranny sex is somewhat. Focused on it, no? Did it begin with Black Kiss, or was there some in American? Flag? It had to have, I would think, the first, the first Black Kiss. I, the, mm, Dap, was there some of that in American Flag? I, I, I'm drawing a blank. There was. I think there was even some in The Shadow. No, dude. Or implied. Oh, oh, no, no, there was, there was just a blowjob in The Shadow. Why would there ever be a transgender person in it? I don't know. Um, I don't think. <sighs> Could it be the the forbidden? I mean, because there's only so much that that has remained forbidden over the years. Anal sex is now, but a bomb. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the transgender is still considered by many people to be way out there. You know, the forbidden zone. You just do not go there. So maybe he just uses that as a shorthand way of adding some exotic flavor to his cast i i don't know i i personally am not repelled by that this is interesting now i swear i swear to you that was an off-the-cuff question but as it happens 
a site not necessarily known for great journalism, but mm-hmm. I have to give credit where credit is due. We're talking bleeding cool. Earlier today, uh, not 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 what's his name, but uh, a, a contributor named Joe Glass wrote an article on bleeding cool. Howard Chaikin and the trans image obsession with a theme. Mm. Go figure. And what's interesting is Tamara Bonvillain, who is a comics colorist, mm-hmm. um, tweeted, you can make a story about anything you want, but some of us are interested in why you choose certain topics consistently and why you feel the need to defend them so strongly when people affected tell you that it's bullshit over and over and over. We know certain publishers don't edit stories, but they accepted them for publication. Why? Because the people targeted don't matter enough. Mm. To your pre- to your point, Vince... I think that's a ridiculous Jake, statement. Well, okay, I'll let you, but I'm just telling you what she said. Uh, Chaken in American Flag in 1983... Had a scene involving a transgender. Okay, cool. I thought I remembered something. Although to be to be to, it's kind of a little of both. That, there, that he didn't show any any sex or organs or anything like right. that. Right. Okay. Um, but yes, he did. And um, let's see. Well, why dis? Uh, yes, he does have a fascination with them. But why discount them? They're they're people too. I mean, if you're going to have a a diverse cast representing human beings, then the, the the probability of a transgender person being in your cast is just as high as the uh, a gay person or, um, you know, a physically challenged person or mentally challenged person. There's all different kinds of people out there, so why not? But you're right. Maybe he just does love... Now, it's, it's worth noting that Tamara is transgender. Oh. And I guess the transgender community, as it turns out, is offended by him because... They argue, and it's hard to argue against this, at least in, in the work I've seen of him, that he never portrays transgender characters as anything but wanton and wholly screwed up sex objects. I have to agree with that. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, all right, I got you. I got you there. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know if if, if there's even a, an answer to all this, but it's funny that I asked the question, and I guess this I guess this book... Brings that to light because this book has certainly, as you said, been quite controversial yeah. to a lot of people. I mean, it's the same deal with Robert Crumb and his thick women. He loves a certain body type um, in women, so it's just a, a favorite. That's what Chaikin's doing. I, do you th- I don't think it's a witch hunt. Well, no, on, on Chaikin's part, I just think he's fascinated by it. I mean, they're not. I mean, because you also have uh, Judd Winnick needs seems to need to have to put a gay character in, in the stories he's telling, and. Yeah. Um, or some will say that AIDS will always come up, and it's it, there are, but there are certain. In, in Judd's case, it's I would think it's a uh, you know, trying to just bring awareness to it. I, I can't really right. say that that's what Howard is is trying to do with. Well, here's a quote from Howard in an interview he did some time ago about Black Kiss. He said Black Kiss was inspired by a number of elements. As I recall, I was walking on Madison Avenue late in the summer of 1985 and saw a woman I dated nearly a decade earlier <clears throat> whom I hadn't seen since at the end of the block. As we approached each other, I realized this was not her, but her transvestite doppelganger, and the idea of twins connected by a dick was recorded and lodged for future reference. You gotta love it. You gotta love Jacob. <laughs> I, 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 I do like his way with words. 
Yes. Next up is Paul Evan Berg, who has a doctorate in chemistry, and he puts it to very good use because he poisons an entire villa of uh, stinking rich people. Yes. And then he extracts them of their wealth and assumes a new identity. Uh, there's uh, Caesar John Nakamuli. Wait, did you say that was a good thing? Uh, no. Did I? You just said you did him a favor. <laughs> yeah, but these were stinking rich. <laughs> they weren't moderately rich. <laughs> with the parasols. This is the, the rich people with the parasols. <laughs> you said I had a parasol on Sunday. I know. No, he asked you if you did. I'm busting your balls, dude. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I want to be. My head's going to be on a swivel this weekend. No, I love you so much. Uh, last <laughs> up is uh, a serial killing police officer, one that admires the uh, the dastardly deeds done by those before him and shifts his modus operandi in in light of what got them caught. So he noticed that bunch of serial killers, they do it the same, they murder their victims in the same manner every time. So he switches it up. He's, he decapitates one, he burns another one, you know. Um, and his name is Caesar John Nakamuli. And I'm thinking, why else would they introduce all these characters? And the, uh, the page design, when they collar each one of these characters, is exactly the same. The middle, mm-hmm. the middle panel shows the character under the boots of the authority. They got the one boot on right. the head, hands behind the back. The last two panels is the lineup shot. In mm-hmm. every, every instance, it's exactly the same. I thought that was a very powerful way to do it. The, um, the, as I was reading it the first time, and I'm just, you know, it's, it's all linear and, and I'm just turning a page and seeing, I, it took me a second to realize, uh, probably with the third serial killer, um, that when they introduce the serial killer um, on, at the location, there's a barcode on the upper right of the page. And, and that's when it dawned on me that, 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 that we're now – this isn't Frank's story. We're, we're leaving Frank Villa's story and, and now we're introducing something new. So that was a um, – I get an easy tell, but that also went into the um, into the deliberate page layout for me. This could be uh, part of Frank's case files because yeah, I'm assuming that he's going to be in light of the last couple pages. Something happens. Frank was right. There, there was a terrorist attack planned for Washington, and it does go. As planned. So Frank's back's going to be against the wall. He's going to need to assemble a team to catch these terrorists and the serial killers and transgender people and all these murderers are going to be his crack team. You want to bet? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. No. Are, Are you being vague as to what happens intentionally? Well, the way in which it happens, I think people should discover for themselves. I think it's 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 okay to say a terrorist attack goes off in Washington DC. That's because that is a huge part of the controversy though. Oh, is it? Why no, is okay, it? no, on on the part that um that I picked up on uh 
after reading it over the weekend was uh, was mostly about um, Miss Silver's part of the book. But as far as uh, the how the issue ends, I I did not I didn't read anything about or I didn't see any tweets about the uh, the terrorist attack portion of it. What's controversial of that about that? You, well, are we spoiling it or are we not? Yeah, let's let's, let's spoil it because that. just to to get people to uh, implanting and, explosive devices inside of a pregnant woman's vagina. How do you know that they're have, pregnant? That could be the bomb in their bellies strapped to them. Mm, dude, they're pregnant. She's she's at an obstetrician's getting a bomb put in her pussy. Yeah, and she's pregnant. What well, you t- like yeah, that was her? that was one of them. I'm, I, I don't all, know. And they're all, but they're all. But they're walking women. through. They're walking through security, so they they, yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't they'd have to be pregnant. They're all pregnant. They all yeah. pregnant they all have they're to still, have the pre- they all have to have the baby. Look at how yeah. the women are holding their bellies. They're holding them like pregnant women. They're not. They're not, they're not like fat. They're not like it's. It, they're pregnant women. He had he had a bunch of pregnant women with explosives in their vaginas blow yeah. up an airport. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it I, like, I still like, don't. I think, don't know that it's any more controversial than anything else. No, I don't think it is. Either. People's heads getting shot, and I mean, your point of transvestite sense. getting fisted, but but uh, but I mean, no less that is getting a lot of flack. Why? Pregnant people can For be the graphic nature of it. Well, would it have mattered if if they were, you know, four gentlemen? With bombs strapped to their 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 waists, there's a well, child. There's a the exact exact right thing. I think. This book is what it's meant to be, which is a a violent, a mentally violent assault that's meant to disturb and point out that we probably are closer to these kinds of things happening than we have any reason to doubt that we which, are. And that's and that, that was um, that's something that Shaken mentions in the back matter when he originally came up with the idea, um, because everybody thought that there was. No fucking way the person who now occupies the White House was going to win. And it would have been, you know, it, had this been published if Hillary won, then, you know, Howard could, you know, elbow you in the rib and go, ha, look, look at what could have been, ha- look at what could have happened. This is what we could have been dealing with had mm-hmm. someone else won. And, yeah. uh, and like you just said, it, this, this isn't, it, it may be exaggerated and it may, um, there are, I mean, Frank's portion of the issue, uh, of, of, of the series may, um, may be more comic booky than everything else. But as far as the serial killers and the events that happen at the end of the issue, yes, I think that as far as I'm concerned, definitely has a, a real world weight to it. Agreed. And, and apparently, Eric Stevenson, the publisher at Image, was asked to go on the record about this book. So it's amazing how controversial this book is. I, I have to say, and it's, it, and I just read it on a lark. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, um, I guess we haven't even really gotten to what we thought of it on the whole. I know Vince alluded to not liking it and liking it, but Stevenson's quote: "One of the things I've always admired about Howard's work is his unflinching reluctance to pull any punches." And this series is about a society not on the verge, but in the midst of collapse. It's no different. If you're looking for escapism, this probably isn't the book for you, as its warts and all depiction of the modern world reveals it to be an ugly place governed by hatred, fear, and intolerance, rooted in the worst aspects of reality. This is 
indignant, rebellious fiction designed to make readers both angry and uncomfortable, but more than that, it's intended to provoke thought about how and why things have reached a state where the tools for progress, discourse, understanding, cooperation are shunned in favor of treating anyone with an opposing viewpoint as an enemy combatant. Mm-hmm. First of all, I, there have been a few times over the years where we've busted on Stevenson for some of his bloviating at the image mm-hmm. uh, presser. And fair is fair. That is a fucking great statement. Like, that is a well-put-together statement about this book. So kudos to him. Uh, and then Shaken, all he had to say, he gave him a very short quote. He said, A fictional dystopia selling out in the midst of a real-life, slow-motion societal collapse? How much more thrilled and grateful could I possibly be at that? So. Yep. It's got people talking, and I guess that's why it was created in the first place, right? Right. But the the one panel that makes me think that it really doesn't matter who's delivering the bombs because Howard is is very um, specific in putting a child yes, in the in, in, in the foreground mm-hmm. of that panel. So therefore, mm-hmm. the identity of the the bombers is irrelevant. The fact that they're they're indiscriminately killing men, mm-hmm. women, and children—a monster's a monster. Even their own. I mean, it's not right. like you know, well, like, right, well, I think the controversy is of their own. Yeah, you know, I think that's it's it's willing to kill, and these are not again. They have giant pregnant bellies, so these are these are these are close to term babies. That they're, so they're not only willing to be sacrificial to their cause; they're willing to sacrifice their own unborn children. Good, which, good. Uh, which again, look, I mean, and again, I don't want to get too because that's a very sensitive subject for for people and i respect other people's views as to that i have my own happy to talk about them to people in person at heroes this weekend what at heroes this weekend yeah yeah. but that being said that being said certainly you can recognize that a lot of people not that are reading even that probably were aware of this being a controversial book would probably have a hard time accepting the idea of murdering in their mind babies I mean that that is you know again whether it, I'm not looking for a treatise on whether they sh- we all feel like that's the right way to think of, the, of what's going on there but we have to recognize that a good chunk of the world and the readership would see it that way right I mean you acknowledge that do you not yes I acknowledge yes. that the um I, I what I'm not gonna say fascinates me but what what kind of baffled me over the weekend were the reactions as, as if, as if this is Satan's first work and nobody's ever read anything by him before. And, and it's the internet. So you could say, you know, someone, someone read a headline and they automatically assume they, they know what the article's about or they know what the, sto- what the story's going to be about. And they just saw a couple of buzzwords and ran with it and, and absolutely no context. In, in, in their way of thinking, um, but some of what I saw, as far as reactions, I, I it just—it's almost as if they had never read anything that Howard Shaken has done before, or just completely forgot what the man's been doing for the past few decades. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I don't see this book scaring. It shouldn't scare a whole bunch of people because this is the kind of stuff that's outside our windows. Well, first let me say I agree with what you just said. I do. But this is, I think, one of the issues facing our 
society at present, and Stevenson alluded to it, and I will freely admit that I have been guilty of it in recent months because it's been hard not to, is completely dismissing an opposing viewpoint to the point where you have at, you have animosity toward the other people that hold that viewpoint. And that is not an ideal way for society to exist. No. And I think that, so while it doesn't sound like any of us are particularly bothered or put off or uh, offended by anything in this book, I think we can also recognize it was designed to offend. Sure. And to, and to, and so, it is one of those things where you do get what you ask for. I think Chicken wanted this to be controversial, right? He wanted it to offend people. He wanted people to be talking about it because he's trying to, at a time where a lot of us do think are the very foundations of what we think of of, of our society are, are are at risk. He he had to think, well, what can I do that goes above and beyond the reality that we're living in today. But what's interesting is, and Dap, it sounds like you had the back matter covered much more than I did, but if I do recall, there was a mention that this was initially written and pitched well before Trump, right? Yes, and then, it was. And then Trump got elected and Shaken said, oh, wow. I, like he even made a reference to the fact that he didn't think this was going to be that interesting of a book to people. Yeah. But he wanted to do it. And then suddenly, the, you know, Trump getting elected and things like Theresa May getting elected changed the the timeliness and the topical nature of it in a, in, a, in, a, in a way he wasn't expecting. Pretty much. He, um, he, uh, it was, it was March, 2016 at Image Expo in Seattle is when, okay. is when he, uh, is when he introduced the book. Um, and obviously spring of 2016, you're thinking, you're still thinking about, you know, well, it's probably, it, Whoever the Republicans are going to put up against Hillary or Bernie, it's probably going to be Jeb or Rubio or, God forbid, Ted Cruz. And uh, obviously, none of it went according to plan. So, uh, yeah, by the time that um, everything happened, because um, originally it would have been tonally, here's what you almost voted for, but uh, now it's actually, um, it's almost scary because this, these are things that could happen. Mm -hmm. So I will say that, that I enjoyed the book a lot. I, I do think it's not the prettiest book. Maybe that's by design. I guess it is by design. Well, not maybe it is by design. I, the, the data. And like you said, Vince, that I, I, Aesthetically, it was an, that annoyed me. I had to kind of get past it, get over it. I, it, it did find, I did find it distracting, which again, to your point, I guess was the idea. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I will say I found it visually, probably because of the subject matter, more engaging than Chaikin's other stuff he's done recently, like Satellite Sam and and, uh, and the uh, and Midnight. Uh, yeah, whatever came out last year. Sorry, I can't think of the name right now, but. Um, Midnight's Kiss, is that it? No, no. Or whatever, I'm sorry, for, I forget the name of it. But um, but I thought it was a fascinating read. I, I I love that he's trying to alarm people and upset the apple cart and, and bring something to the extreme. And look, if you've ever read Shaken before, that is what he's about. He's he's And he's also unabashedly, he's a, a bleeding heart liberal. He's never hid that. Oh, yes. So he's always worn that on his sleeve, so... I don't know that anyone should be surprised that this would be the stance he takes. And um, 
it's I, as the books you just mentioned. This is this is a modern day story, whereas his previous his, the books he's been writing that drawn the past few years have all been period pieces or, or set um, decades ago. So mm-hmm. this is uh, there's a little bit more of a um, not gonna say freshness, but but again, it's something that just hits a little close to home because you're not you're not looking at it through um, a, a historical lens and and seeing how accurate things were i mean these are he's this is more of a um of a work of a fiction than some of the other because because he's trying to obviously make sure things are, are accurate from um a historical standpoint in in the previous books the i the way you summed it up the way it read i i Story-wise, I like it a lot. Visually, because of the because of the different colors, because and and this is something else. Bruzenak mentions is, is you know the, the, there's no outlines to the word balloons. I'm not a fan of the word balloons. I'm not a fan of the tails. I, there were times where because there are no outlines and they're all the same size or they're all squared off. Um, if two people are talking, one person's not even in the panel. Things can get a little little muddied. Um, it is, it's, it's a widescreen book in the sense that the panels go, the, the, the panels are horizontal across, uh, the page. Most, it, it's mostly, a three pan, three wide panels per page. And then occasionally he'll, he'll break up one of the panels, uh, or he'll have an inlet, an inset panel where, you know, someone's face will be there doing the talking. Um, so I like the layout. But but the extras with the colors and and the way um, I guess the graphic design sense of it was that's not easy on the eyes. I agree. I think so, Vince. You okay? So I was no. just going to ask you. you we we got on a, we got on a tangent, but so you're thinking that this crew we were introduced to it's almost like a roll call getting a team some kind like of suicide squad, right, squad, like a suicide suicide squad, squad. or, yeah, or, or yeah. a team or something like that they're going to be confronted with an option to maybe lessen their sentence or erase mm-hmm. their 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 files if they they help out because who thinks more like a killer than another killer right. you know so no i i think the premise is is very intriguing I, and i think howard's drawing when he does do it is great like i think the best panel in the book is the uh when um paul evan uh no a uh, berg when he poisons the the rich fucks that one panel where they're all slumped over on the tables that's the best panel in the book because I don't, it, it looks like it took him two seconds to draw that panel yes it's it's it, it looked to me it, it is absolutely one of the sloppiest panels, and but I mean, it gets it. You could tell everything. It's not like he's yeah, just. It, it looks to me like Kurtzman. That that yes, woman, that woman with her face exactly. down on the table. That's pure yep. Kurtzman. Yeah, because it's just a rounded shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you there. Yeah. As far as as but, detail, um, the uh, when when noon is, is taking out the four the four folks, there's there's detail there. But then, you know, a couple pages before that, when. Frank's kids are at the um, are at the breakfast table. There, there are. It's. I'm not going to go through the whole. Oh, good chicken, bad chicken. It's. Mm. I I I like the art. Um, 
it it does look like there's some panels where he just really went deep on detail, especially when you're painting out in the city streets in um, in Chicago. The, Ve- um, the Vegas incident is probably the most detailed sequence in the book. What does that say? Three guys and a transgender person, and the the figure drawing is great. The, the the bodies are contorted in ways that he had to think about. He just didn't throw it down like a bunch mm-hmm. of rich fucks slumped over a table. Um, wow, you're just all about these rich fucks. No, I, I'm go- I'm quoting the book, and uh, <laughs> no, I I just I would love for Howard's stash of Letratone or Zipatone to run out. Zipatone, just run it oh, out. Oh, he yeah. just loves the Zipatone. He does, or whatever directory he saves them in on his computer i hope someone just deletes that it. yeah delete it because he just loves he's the, probably not running windows then he he loves the textures <laughs> i I, th- I thought this book was can i ask why you didn't i i know you didn't enjoy it at first and then you hit us back in the letter and said i read it, read it again and i liked it more why didn't you like it the first time it was just way too distracting Oh, so it was more um, about okay. visuals. Yeah, because it's, this is not my world. So I have to pay very strict and specific attention when mm-hmm. uh, law officers are banding about terminology and then it, it changes so fast to a murder and then it's seemingly unconnected. Like you don't right, right. glom onto the fact that, oh, okay, I see what he's doing until like three quarters into the book. Yeah. So I, I just needed it. I, I walked away from it for a little while. I needed a fresh perspective on it. And I think that helped out a lot because right. oh. it, it's definitely one of the better written books that Howard has re- released in a long time. That I agree. It, I, seemed, it seems passionate. Yeah. Def, yeah, no, I agree with you guys. I also just noticed that the um, the serial killer scenes, they're all, they're all narrated. There's no, there's no dialogue happening. Right. On on those pages, they're all right. they're, they're confessing, and, and and that's I didn't that's just something I didn't notice until mm-hmm. just now. So yeah, no, it's it, it's very deliberate. There's no um there there's I I'm like I say psyched, but I I, I read this and I did have to read it again because there were some things I missed, and um and it's not uncommon for for books this week. Cause there are a couple things that I reread, but the uh, I I read this and I am really looking forward to um to the second issue and I'll say, I'll, I'll say that often where you know read something want to read the next one now but I I also don't mind the weight between issues on something like this I don't think this is something that I can binge I don't think I could finish an issue I, I don't I don't know how this would read for me in a trade. I, I I I need a little bit of distance. I need some breathing room from one issue to the next because this is not a um I, it, I'm not gonna say it's not an easy story to take, but there's there's stuff here where you just you you kind of just need to clean up a little bit. Yeah, and you know what? Screw people that were offended with by this book. I think this. I think more people need to be offended. This well, the, uh, sensibilities need to be shaken up. I know where you're coming from, but that, what I was trying to get at is that we're too quick to the screw them if they're offended. I'm not, I don't hate them. I'm, they're not right. my enemy. What I'm saying is, if more people let the framework that on which they tack on their reality fall down and see the world for what it really is, okay, I think we 
all be a lot better off. This is not oh, ma- right. you know magic no, magic right. fantasy land where where Allah or Jesus or or whatever is going to come down and make everything right. It's not going to happen. You know, so clean the windows once in a while, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. hate anyone. Well, hmm. won't go there. Um, the yeah, I, I think I, I absolutely get it. If if people are offended by something and and offending people's uh, good because they reconsider their 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 beliefs. My, my issue is when someone is so they offended should. they want to censor something they 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 oh. want they, they want no, to no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. That, that, that's, a problem. that's a problem and i must right. admit I, I don't is any i don't know that anyone's called for that here although if they have then that's ridiculous and i agree uh, but look the, i think to whatever extent there are a lot of people offended by this it's gone back to a second printing immediately yep and the orders were through the roof and it's being talked about in all kinds of places so that's great it's the most relevant Shaken's been in a long time. Yeah, yes. I think the cover's yeah. great too. I mean, we we all really enjoyed Black Kiss too, and we talked about it. Like, yeah. yeah, but that was but that was a modest success. I mean, that was for hardcore Shaken fans, that, and, that, and I don't it was think that broke through or created a new fan base for him. No, it was so. pure exploitation. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So. All right, let's move on to another hot button book. Although far less controversial to your point. Than yes, <laughs> but but still. Uh, written, More in the in the vein of controversial from a long-time superhero continuity nerd perspective. Yeah, so we have some of the, the good stuff, and we have some of the other good stuff with this. Uh, mm-hmm. written, written by Tom King. Pencils by David Finch, inked by Danny Mickey, and also pencils by Clay Mann with Seth Mann. Colors. Yeah, man. It, does it say? Um, Jordy Belair on Colors. We're, oh, right there. Jordi Belair did the colors. It's yes. your birthday. This is Batman number 24. And, you know, I we don't... We, we, we mentioned letterers when we know who the letterers are, but there were... I had to go back to the credits because there, especially on the man pages, I thought John Workman did the lettering. The so, word balloons... Yeah, it's just, similar. Yeah, so... Um, but it isn't. It's... it's uh, Aaron Bennett is your uh, two letters here. I, th- I think the negative space within the word, the the amount of negative space in the word balloon would lend you to believe that it could have been John Workman because John yes. John likes to to float his text. Yep. Cool. So, uh, Dap, tell them what's going on here. <laughs> um, well, you get a little bit of. Um Get some two story action. There's the, the Finch Mickey pages, uh, are more, um, are of Batman and Catwoman, whereas, and these were my favorite portions of the, um, of the issue. The Clay and Seth Man pages are of Batman having a heart to heart with someone who, because Batman doesn't really do heart-to-heart conversations. I was really glad to see this, but it's with um, uh, Gotham Girl and uh, it's a Gotham Gal. Gotham Girl, girl right? Girl, yeah. yeah. You, 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 um, this is atypical all around. Everything in this issue is atypical Batman. 
It is. And and see, and even the title, every epilogue is a prelude. So I don't, I, I don't, be, because the next issue kicks off the next arc, um, which I'm sure Vince is going to love because it's got the Riddler in it. The, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's, um, that's all right, I'll make up for it. The, uh, I'm not, I, there's absolutely nothing that tells me that this isn't actually happening and, and that it's not, um, because obviously what, after the events of the button, uh, Bruce Hess is, he's, he's been doing a lot of, um, soul searching. Yeah. A bit, a bit introspective. So he's, uh, he's taking stock and, and, uh, and I can see him doing what he uh, could be vague until we all talk about it. But I can see him doing what he does at the end of the issue. But I'm not, I'm not sold on it. Actually, be, I'm not saying it's a hoax or not. Just, but I'm not sold on it being an actual thing just yet. But that's that's me. If, okay, if you guys read it and we're like, holy shit, this is actually happening. And then we have to see what happens next issue. Well, are we going to see what happens next issue with any sort of answer? Um, and I will also say that the last page fucking spoiled for me two days before the comic came out. Bummer, that's not cool. No. Get uh, off the Facebooks. That dude, no. It was two days. It wasn't even Wednesday, man. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Dave's not here, man. So I'm going to I'm gonna sit there and be like, oh, let me. It's Sunday. Comics come out in four fucking days. Let me get off the internet. No, no. no. Okay. I'm just, anyway. I'm just saying. I'm just no. saying. You know what I mean? No. If you walk in a cow pasture, you're going to step in poop. No, that's ridiculous. What have? Yeah. Um, okay, mister, I'm working 11 hours a day. I got time it. Exactly. I, I don't care. It's easy for you to stay off the social media because right. you're, you're not in front of it. Ever. But re- let's remember what has transpired in the previous arc. You, you, you call this atypical Batman, and it is. He admitted to attempting to take his own life. That is true. That's a big deal. That is a doorway into honest-to-God emotion in Bruce Wayne. What? There is a person in there. And I think Tom is smart enough to realize that Bruce Wayne has been, like Roger Waters and the rest of Pink Floyd, throwing up that damn wall for so long, it's got to crumble someday. And I think this is what's happening. There, there are, the question there, is, can he be Batman if the wall crumbles? Yes, he, he certainly can because he has a support structure. He has all of these, these agents that assist him. He, he has sons and daughters and, and brothers and Superman. I mean, if you had Superman on your side, why not live a little bit? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. I, I, he needs somebody. He really does. No man is an island. We all heard that a million times. But Tom is smart. He he knows what he's doing. I I think the landing is definitely going to stick. I th- well, I, let's, should we let's just speak on it? Because so again, not that we need to say spoilers for the twentieth time, but spoilers if you haven't read Batman twenty four and you intend to soon. Fast forward for I don't know ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Um. Bruce proposes to Selina at the end of the issue. It's beautiful. Look at the way she looks at him. Well, I so I think what's what's fascinating to me is I've heard a lot of people dissect this and say, well, he won't be married for long, just like Peter Parker. <laughs> it'll get retrenched. 
guys, I don't even know. We don't even know if she's going to say yes. Exactly. We don't know if she. We don't know if she's going to say yes. We don't know if, if she says yes. Are they going to actually get married? There's a lot between now and then before we wake up and Bruce and Selena are waking up in bed together fighting crime at night. I mean, that's. I, I don't. I don't. I do believe that. To counter what David was saying, I, I don't for a second think this isn't supposed to be happening. Like I think he's actually asking her to marry him right there. But I don't think for a second that we should assume that she's going to say yes next issue, hug him, and they're going to start setting a registry up. I, I don't. I don't think that happens. That's going to be one hell of expensive gift registry. What do you get to the man who has everything? As, as Superman, yeah, plant. <laughs> you get him, Diana. I, I am not. I'm not too thrilled with the Finch artwork in this issue. No, oh, come on, son. no. Wow, yeah, I, I have to not, say, I think you are you. You throw seemingly throw Finch in with like LaRocca to me and Lance. No, no, I, no, I, I feel like be, you you have as much disdain for him as you do those guys. No, and I, I don't understand that because because I I while Finch's style isn't. My ideal. I think he's done an excellent job on this series. He's, he's he has done. He's. I like this more than I did the Moon Knight stuff he did. Um, he I I could go hard on um, current Labroca or Land, but I like some things that Finch does. I think I I, I think his Batman perched tarp top of gargoyle is fantastic and 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 the leather stretching and i think all of that is great but when i look at you know selena's face when bruce is getting ready to propose to her or or her her spine and and, and the scene when he does propose to her there are just certain things where it, it just distracts me because i'm looking at that instead of actually being in the moment of the story which and and but the conversation batman has with gotham girl that i felt that the that Clay and Seth nailed that from um from every angle. I just it it the the styles weren't very complimentary when you see other I mean yes the, the one story's being told during the day and and it it's fine for a different it's supposed to give you a different atmosphere but when I'm when I'm looking at at the pages by Clay and Seth I just I I was smiling and and, and I was enjoying those pages a lot more than the uh, Finch and Mickey pages, but I'm I'm glad that everything worked out for you guys. Had no issues with well, it. As, well, listen, what, what you're saying now is a different thing to me. If you're saying that that Finch's art isn't done any favors when every other page we have to compare it to Clay Man, I'm with you because I think those pages are dropped dead gorgeous. I love the way he draws Gotham Girl. I think it's it's fantastic. Yes. So I'm with you there on an on a A versus B claim man's wiping up the floor. But I think that more broadly I, I, I don't have an issue with, with, with Finch. In the sense that again, he's not my favorite, but I, I don't I, I he's not he doesn't make it hard for me to enjoy this book. No, I mean the first arc and, and even when he had to fight Bane and Arkham Asylum. I mean, I, those were I. I thought that especially the fight as as Bane's going through every inmate before he gets to where he needs to get to. I thought the action in that and 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 the detail and the the way 
everything was laid out. I, I that was strong. That I liked that arc. I, I thought it was really good there. But there, and it even, I mean, if again, and it's it's one of those things where I just if if I <laughs> see something, if 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 my eyes catch it, it's. Then I I can't not see it. It's something I can never unsee, and 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 I just I don't know what it is about once they unmask, and and I I, I don't know what's going on with Selena, and and I, but I but again, you go back a few pages and you see them leaping through, uh, and and that almost Dark Knight Returns homage. I I like that page. I, I like that page of them, them them jumping through a lightning bolt against the sky, and and that I dig. But I, I wasn't feeling the proposal. Did you notice that the pages are the juxtaposition is intentional, and it's also inversed, where the Batman Selena stuff, the the narration and the discussion is more upbeat and more hopeful. It's in shadow, and when Claire and Batman are talking, it's it's kind of morose in most spots. Oh, it's yes, and it's yeah. in sunshine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was a, a nice little contrast that they did. I'm sure it was intentional. These two pages definitely when um David said the Dark Knight returns Selina and Bruce with the lightning behind them, there's a reason why that Batman is on the on the Clay Man page is facing in opposition to them. This is great design. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You said something, Vincent, which is so true, uh, that, that Tom is taking chances, and I love that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. And he's taking chances in a way, look, Tom, no, no one that listens to the show doesn't know Tom's our buddy. Uh, this is super cool to have a personal friend writing Batman. Um, but I think we all acknowledged in a quiet moment that replacing a guy like Scott Snyder and great guys like Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo after what was, without question, an epic, well-loved run on that book, you always have the Anacenti risk, right? You always like the person that follows the person, right? And um, I think I didn't have an answer as to how Tom was going to make his mark. But now I think we're starting to see it, right? We're starting to see it. He's playing with the emotional spectrum of Bruce and those around him in a way... That I'm sure, and and far be it for me to comment on the omnibus of Batman stories ever told, because I've read probably 0.1 percent of them. But you guys could speak speak to it more directly. It I don't know that we've had that many occasions where we've played with Bruce's emotional spectrum in the way that Tom is. Now, when you I, there are, it's it's definitely not. Your father's Batman. There are there, there are certain when 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 you look at Doug Munch or Mike W. Barr or Denny O'Neill, and you go back and you, and and you just rattle off a bunch of Batman writers, you're all going to get the same kind of Batman. You might get a a um, a different, slightly different take on maybe the personality or or different supporting characters may act a little differently but it's still Batman it's still that that, that dark knight and the, the character you've just always known there's certain things you expect and and I'm not saying that every that the writers back then were interchangeable but 
you knew what you were getting. And, mm-hmm. and you can, I think you can honestly say you are getting something different. It's still Batman. It still looks like Batman. He still kind of carries himself a little bit like Batman. But when, when he, when he speaks and when he's looking around and, and, and he's, I mean, even in detective comics, what, what Tinian's is doing, you know, he's, he's preparing for a war, but he's surrounding himself with, with other people. He's not the loner that he used to be that, that, that he was for decades. And, uh, I, I think, yeah, it's like you guys said, with, with Tom taking chances and, and with him just, he is, you know, and I don't know if it's because it's the whole post New 52 rebirth thing and, and, you know, I don't, oh, whatever we're going to do is just going to get, you know, changed once Dr. Manhattan blinks his eye. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, I absolutely love everything that Tom is doing because it is, it is fresh. It is just, it's different. You can, you can look at any, you can give somebody the complete you know, Neil Adams Batman. Oh, okay, there's these some Batman stories you could read. You could read, you, know, you look through some of the DC showcases and, and here's some Batman stories you can read. There are the, the Rachel Ghoul stories. You can find any Batman story to give to a Batman fan that they may not have read before and, and they'll enjoy it. But to give somebody a Tom King written Batman, it, it's, it, you're not just going to be able to consume it and go, yeah, okay, that was a Batman story. There is something extra, something special going on here. Yep. It's that Tom concentrated on the second half of the name, not the first. Mm. Yeah. For so long, he was looked at as this uh, infallible machine of justice and driven by one thing and one thing only and didn't have time for personal relationships and, you know, played the game. Oh, what about that that whole bullshit with Brother Ryan? Oh, I got to be able to take out all of my friends because you never know when someone's going to turn on you. And I'm like, what is that? But we don't have that now. No, but for the most part, in in relation to Superman, that would just be smart. But everybody else, yeah, it's overkill. Uh, Mm -hmm. If Superman turned on you, you're, you're done. He could survive the others not against Superman regardless of the kryptonite chunk but anyway um, no I, I I think that Tom is is for once opening a little bit of a maybe cracking the door a little bit into Bruce's humanity that's a good thing mm-hmm. he is human he's not Kryptonian or or uh, a Daxamite, he's he's human and and he has fears and it, to say that Bruce does not feel all the things that an an ordinary human being does feel is ridiculous. He just doesn't voice them. He doesn't make them real. But they're well, they're there. So so this seems to be a, a recurring theme tonight. I agree with what you just said, mm-hmm. but. I've certainly heard lots of people that are harder core Batman fans than me over the years say things like Bruce is the costume, Batman is the real thing, or that by by everything we've seen, Batman is a sociopath, that and a sociopath would in fact not feel the emotions that we're talking about him displaying. So I don't know that everyone that considers themselves Batman fans would necessarily agree with your sentiment, right? They, I mean, some would argue that Bruce is incapable because he's a sociopath that was formed from the murder of his parents 
that he doesn't feel emotion. He he is incapable of it other than rage. He he, he has trained himself almost like a robot because he is it's like, you know, most sociopaths become serial killers. He became the greatest hero ever because but it's the same mentality and he just he does not process emotion well. It's all layers of the onion. Depending on mm-hmm. who who wrote the character, that's what you're yeah. gonna get. This is Tom's time in the spotlight. So he's gonna adjust it. Yeah. To his, he's no, what I'm s- saying is I dig what Tom's doing and I agree yeah. your, of your sentiment, but but it, it is fair to say that there are probably creators that have dealt with the character and plenty of fans who would not think it's ridiculous because they would argue he doesn't have emotion. He's 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 not incapable of it, right? Yes, but he as a character has not been written cohesively over the sure. the the breadth of the entire publishing mm-hmm. um DC publishing Batman stories. Different guys put different spins on it. And, so and, and gals. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's all right. You always do. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some fun. Go around. Do we think she says yes? Do we think that there is a Batman wedding issue? I'll, I'll, you want me to go? Or, because yeah. Yeah. Dab, Dab's going to think about it. I am. Not initially, no, because that makes for a good third reel, right? She's mm-hmm. she's she's going to say no. Something is going to happen somewhere along the line where she realizes that hey, if this human being were not in my life, I would be, I wouldn't be the same person. I would be far less. So mm-hmm. she's going to eventually say yes. How long that's going to take, I don't know. And I think there's going to be a, a a wedding issue. Yeah. But they have to realize, much like with Clark and Lois, you can't put that cat back in the box. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you, you got, can. Well, you can, but it, everyone sees through the the machinery then, and what if, take, takes it less if, seriously than they did before. What if he gets married and then she gets killed? Well, we all know that's not going to happen. I mean, it, it could happen, but she'll eventually come back. Well, they all come back. Right. The Wasp is back. I mean, everybody's back. I mean, who doesn't come back? Yeah. No, that'd be cool. I mean, it wouldn't be cool. It would be crushing, but it would make for some great melodrama, right? Yeah. So I was listening to the iFanboy pick of the week, and I'm, li- I'm giving David time because I know he's agonizing over this <laughs> to make a decision. Uh, I was listening to our, our, our bros over at iFanboy, and they, uh, they were talking about this book. And... Um, I think the, the, there was some debate about, uh, in Connor, Connor specifically said that he fell in love with Batman, who's one of his favorite characters at a time, and this is all foreign to me, I don't know what time period this would have been, but he said when, uh, when, Bat- when Bruce was with Talia. And just like, you know, the first time you read a comic or a character, whether it be we joke about who's your Green Lantern or who's your Flash or, or his point was for him, although he realized it's it's not a, a majority opinion, he's always liked Bruce with Talia, in part because that's when he fell in love with the character. Is that right? 87? Well, I, again, I, I'll leave that to you. I don't know. Um, but but that as a result, while he thinks it's good work, he really has never felt a, a pull towards Selina, and in particular to the point where she would be Mrs. Wayne. So I guess I'm asking you guys again because I just don't have enough Batman history in me to care one way or the other. Um, it seems very normal to me that Selina would be his love interest, but do you guys like 
him with Selena? Do you like it more as the Spidey Black Cat, where it's just more of a a flirtation? Do you think she's a she should? Do you think she's his? If he has a soulmate, soulmate. she's the soulmate. I, I I don't. I like Bruce with Diana the best. Okay. In the uh, the Justice League, uh, what was it two series ago? When mm-hmm. uh, she nursed Bruce back to health and they had that thing going on. What was that story? The Obsidian Age. I, I thought Bruce and Diana work really well together because she wouldn't go for the Kryptonian. She would go for the, the human. Who's almost every bit as good as the Kryptonian, but he's human. Almost. Mm. Almost every bit. I said almost. All right. Let, let's, uh, let's see where Dapway's in on this. Um, because what Tom's done with the book so far, I could see her saying yes and them doing a wedding issue. Um, I don't... I'm not saying Bruce can't be married or don't bury me. I I, I don't want... I, I can see it happening. I don't want it to happen. Um, and it's... It's not because I um I don't think they should be together. I, I kind of I think that Bruce Wayne has been with a lot of women. Uh, I like Connor. I, I like Batman with Talia. Um, I, I get the whole Batman Catwoman thing, but. Um, I don't know if she. I I don't think, and this is even you know pre Tom Batman stories. I don't think Catwoman. It, it's a nice fantasy. It's 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 something that you know it'd be nice to have, but I don't know if Selena would say yes. So to be clear, you you don't think she would in your mind of the ideal character, but you do think she will say yes in Tom's arc. I could see her saying yes in Tom's arc. Yes. Okay. Do you think there'll be a wedding? Um, Oh man. I so want to say no, but there probably will be chance to make a buck. Come on. Is there That's an anniversary the issue coming it's, up? Because they're going well, back to the original numbering, right? On Bat- well, they're doing it on, on Detective. I don't know if they're doing oh, I, it on... I thought on, they were doing it with all the books, but no. No, because Batman and Superman are still are, are okay. in the... But I... It's not so... It's just... I mean, there are certain... And yes, oh, it would be... I, we, we had, you know, Clark Kent marry Lois Lane, and that was great, and that was fun, and that, but, but, and, it, and it worked. But, I mean, that those are two characters that have been together linked pretty much forever. And and I have to say that Catwoman, yes, has been around in in Batman lore for very, very not the same, but for a very long time, Catwoman has been around Batman. And I I could see them doing a wedding special or doing a wedding issue or or having, you know, Selena and Harley and Ivy going out looking for bridesmaids dresses and, and but I don't know if Based on everything that Tom's done, I don't know if I can, if I can, I'm not going to say I I can see myself enjoying that story, but I don't know if it, if it fits in everything. And again, and and kudos to Tom, because if, if, if it is what he's planning and he pulls it off, then 
fuck yeah, and what the hell do I know? But it, it's it's a based on and and that's and that's part of the surprise for me with that final page and not knowing what the hell her answer is going to be. Um, because of all of that, I can't see it fitting in where Tom's going. But if I knew where Tom's going, then I probably wouldn't be. Well, reading it, but I wouldn't be enjoying it as much as I am because I love the fact that that Tom is keeping on my toes with this. I, I don't I, I I don't want there to be a wedding, but I can absolutely see there being a wedding. Mm-hmm. I'll pick up the slack for you, heartless bastards, and hope that yes, I hope he lives happily ever after. Well, I don't. Did, what What did you say, Jason? I didn't. So that's why he's, he's putting words in my mouth. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Vince pretty much stole my thunder. Uh, I think he's <laughs> going to say no on the first page of the next issue and bounce. But at some point, probably in this arc, it's at it, it, some interstitial with this Batman, the Riddler Joker, she's going to say yes. And then because this is a capitalist world and we're talking big two comics, I do think there will be a giant wedding issue and it will be something to do with one of their big anniversary numbers. Yeah. I've recently had experience with a cat. I've never owned a cat. I've never raised a cat at all. And um, there's a cat where I work. And I noticed that if you go to pet a cat, more often than not, the cat will be like, F you, and just just walk away. It's when you're standing there not paying attention to anything, the cat will come up and rub on your leg. So it's like if this cat is true to the real cats, then that's, you know, that – I could see that happening. No, see, no, I can't do this. Oh, wait a minute. That's all about the chase. Yeah. 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 So the fact that, you know, Batman is now on bended knee, Bruce, and, and, uh, is, but I, it's. How many times have you seen Bruce supplicate himself in front of anyone? Well, that's the other interesting component of this is how honest Bruce was being with Gotham Girl, right? Yeah. 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 But that's also the, to, to part of her road to, to recovery. Her she she needs to be she needs to be healthy and well. And I don't th- I think if if um if even little white lies are just not being straightforward and 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 sincere with her, I don't think that would help with her with her rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to keep her talking long enough to get panty shots. That is just from, thank from you his, from his back camera. Thank you, Clay. That's, uh, Wait, wait, what'd you say? (laughs) The real bat on the Instagram. Look at this. Mm -hmm. Panty shot. All right, we have a lot more to talk about, so let's let's keep this moving. Keep the train rolling. Yeah, what else do we have? We all just recently finished a six-issue series. We did. Well, We are teaming up like nobody's business tonight. the, The intro arc to a series. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, it's not over? No, no if, uh, the end of the sixth issue says end of book one, and also the last two mm. pages of the sixth issue. Uh, which I was hoping Rizzo would move on to something else. But oh, yeah, same here. Stop! Uh, stop! Both the of you. end of the, the the end the end of the sixth issue, uh, the last two pages, kind of especially with um, Voodoo Chicks uh, narration, it's it's setting things up. There aren't uh, gotcha. Yeah. I must be getting soft in my own age. Written by Brian Azzarello. Illustrated, pencils, inks, and color by the masterful Eduardo Rizzo. 
It's Moonshine. From a little it, bit of a color assist. From whom? Uh, well, not in the first issue. I, I noticed it in the um, in some of the later issues. It's uh, uh, Kristen Rossi. Let me look at color my... assistant and and number two. Oh uh, yes, that. yes, I yeah. see that. But not in the first issue. But you're right. Yeah. Okay. Do you think the color assist were on the uh, Perlo, um flashbacks when he's drunk and stuff? Because the well, we'll talk about that anyway. Okay. Handsome Mister Lou Perlo. He's a good fella, and he works for um, a big city boss, Joe Masseria. And Boss Joe wants to get his hands on some great taste in moonshine. On uh, some Holtz hooch. Yes. So he sends Handsome Lou down to Spine Ridge, West Virginia, to talk to Mr. Uh, Holt and try and secure distribution uh, a deal for his hooch in the city. He thinks it's going to go nuts. Now, remember, this is primetime prohibition. We're talking, what, 26, 1926, around there? Mm. So um, nobody has a whole lot of money, um, and uh, the hooch has been uh, prohibited. Can't get it. People are on edge, yet the speakeasies are popping up all over the place, and Boss Joe thinks it's just the right sauce for his, his speakeasies. So um, Lou, who's very handsome, that's why they call him Handsome Lou. He's haunted. He's he's got this the specter of his sister hanging around his neck. Now what happened? Well, when when Lou was a a, a, a tyke, his daddy gave him a bunch of wood, and Lou built a boat, tiny little dinghy, and he went out and he was enjoying himself. And his sister said, "Hey, you know, can I take a little, little try?" And he allowed her, stupidly allowed her to, to go out in the boat alone. She stood up and she drowned. And that resulting death not only changed his life, it changed the life of his parents. The mother wanted nothing to do with him after that because she couldn't even look at him. Uh, the father realized that, you know, the kids got, got demons and started feeding them hooch from a young age. So dysfunctional upbringing. Um, so because of that, Lou has this um, idea that nobody gives him any kind of responsibility because when they do give him responsibility, he cocks it up. He allows people to die. He he Things go south. It's just not good. So he's like the, the – he sweetens the pot in a deal, but he never actually clinches the deal. So he feels like this is his one shot. I'm going down West Virginia. I'm going to get this hooch. Boss Joe's going to love me. And, and and it doesn't work out that way because uh, Hiram wants nothing to do with the deal. And Hiram's not – he's an honest man, but he's not a very nice man. A mm. uh, bunch of FBI agents in the in the first couple pages find the, uh, the Hiram's still and they pay for it with their lives. Now, so – you're asking yourself, why are you reading this? This sounds like nothing to which you are normally, you know, accustomed to read. Um, there are werewolves in it. And we really haven't figured out what that angle is. What uh, do you mean? 
Well, we know who the werewolf is, one of them. We know who one of them is. One of them. Um, but we really don't know how it all started. Where did the the uh, lycanthropy come from? Was it passed down? Uh, is it a family thing? You don't know that. There's also witchcraft in this book. Yes. There, there's a, a black woman named Delia. Uh, and, uh, Probably and, my favorite character in the book. Yeah, I like her a lot too. Handsome Joe gets a flat tire. and uh, Handsome Lou, sorry. Gets a flat tire and uh you know black man changes it for him and this this black man ends up dead but not before Lou stumbles upon this this camp of of singing dancing having a great time um women children old men you know playing musical instruments and and he's the only white guy in attendance and you know they ask him well, what do you want and he looks dead smack at Delia and he's like well for starters I'll take a drink because he's obviously attracted to her, but she knows things. She has dreams about his sister speaking to him, mm-hmm. and she gives him a, a very ornate dagger to protect himself with. And I thought that was just, you know, in case Hiram's dudes get the jump on you. But no, Lou goes in and out of of consciousness based on the amount of alcohol. Yeah, Lou shouldn't drink. He drinks. It just seems like everybody's pouring alcohol down this guy's throat. And he always gets in trouble. Um, One of the times, um, a werewolf literally spits in his mouth. And I guess that passed on the the lycanthropy because Lou Mm -hmm. turns into a werewolf as well. But here's another wrinkle in the story. Hiram doesn't want to sell his hooch to Boss Joe. Hiram's kids, however, have another period, uh, opinion on this. He has two adopted kids. One, an absolutely drop-dead gorgeous Eduardo Rizzo woman. Named, Love it. Named, Best part of the book. Yes, named Tempest. A peroxide blonde. She's gorgeous. And her brother Enos. Oh, uh, yeah, Enos. They are the adopted children, but Holt's natural born child fry is trying to make a deal with boss joe that's how boss joe gets the hooch he's like all right maybe my daddy won't get all in on this deal but i can skim some stuff man i can give you you know pieces and that's not good enough for boss joe he wants it all but there's a there's a section of this story that I love it all, and I and this is the most intrigued I've been with a, a mystery in a, in a long, long time. There's a section that makes no damn sense to me. And I'm gonna tell you guys okay. tell you guys what it is. See if you if you can figure it out. Now, Fry and Tucker, which is Tucker is uh, Holt's son-in-law, and Tempest. They want to go behind his back and sell the the hooch to Handsome Lou. Okay. There's a, a car chase, and Tucker is killed by a werewolf. Now, the werewolf, we come to find out, is Enos. Why the hell would Enos kill Tucker? Enos stand, if, if Enos wants to make Tempest happy, so whatever she wants, obviously I'm thinking, is, is good. If Tempest wants to sell the hooch, Great. Enos shouldn't have a problem with it. She calms him down like she's his mother figure as well as his sister, right? Why would Enos kill Tucker 
for trying to go behind the old, old man's back. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Are we sure Enos is the one that killed Tucker? Yeah, because in the in the, the the shootout, the werewolf was shot a bunch of times, and when uh, Handsome Lou wakes up, Enos has four blood holes in his chest. He's human. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to have been the werewolf. Why? I, why would a member of Hiram's family kill another member of Hiram's family? I, I don't get it. It just confuses me. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And well, I it's it's he screaming how he wants to do right by Lizzie, and he'll never do it again. So please, you know, don't, don't kill me. Um, I, I'm wondering if, yeah, cause it, 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 it would really. He stands to gain nothing by making this dude a werewolf or by, by killing, um, Tucker. But, yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Um, uh, but there's even more wrinkles. Boss Joe loses faith. In, in Handsome Lou and sends a bunch of good fellas down. There are massive gunfights. Even the, the new contingent of good fellas that come down can't grease, um, the wheels on this deal. So another person is brought in, one looking with much more experience and zero feelings, zero emotions this guy has. Um, and it's just, it is bloody as hell. Not only the, 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 the shootouts, but the the uh, the werewolf scenes, ah, oh, just biting people's heads off. When Lou turns into a werewolf, that's pretty disturbing. The uh, the carnage that he's got a, a guy's head in his mouth, and his fangs, his lower fangs, are poking through the guy's empty eye sockets. Yeah, I love that scene. That is so great. Yeah, that was a good page because yeah, he's got because even the um in the panel right before it. It's um, it's got the fangs in that one, but it was the um, biting some guy's head. Yeah, where the hell is it? I love the design of the werewolf too. It's it's more it's more howling than it is launching. Oh, he's got he's got his claws through his cheek and in his eyeball. Um, depending on right about no, yeah, the the, the werewolf is. Uh, I, I like to look at it a lot. Yeah, and like the howling too. There's a a fireside um, sex scene. They don't transform into werewolves as they're doing it, but there's a, a, a sex scene in there. But there's manipulation going on all over the place in this book. Tempest is working every angle, and Joe's just Joe. Um, Handsome Lou's just along for the ride. Like he just screws up left and right. He allows her to push him around, yet he's attracted to. To uh, Delia, who kind of wants to just help him, but she's doing a little bit of, uh, she's got a little bit of influence on him herself. It's just, I, I'm intrigued, but I really don't know how it all ties together. After this first volume, six issues, uh, the the germ of the storyline is there. Somebody wants to buy somebody else's hooch and they ain't having it. But the wrinkles have yet to be smoothed out. I just, I don't know how the werewolves and the, the magic and the, all this stuff plays into it. Other than the obvious, there's a werewolf running around. But, like, how did it get that way? 
Mm-hmm. Is are, are they a family of werewolves? Uh, is is uh, Hiram's scar on his on his face indicative that he may have transformed at one time? We don't know. We'll no, ne- we'll, I think we'll I, never I, I know about that. Was, um, I think he was attacked by werewolves because her, because Tempest and her brother's parents were killed, and so Hiram took them in. So were they really killed, or were they maybe hunted? Were or, they maybe Hiram killed them right. after? They attacked him. Um, we don't know. Well, we know that Tempest can create the werewolves. Is she also one? I th- I think she is, but we haven't seen that. I mean, in werewolf lore, a werewolf can be created by a werewolf. So I assume we have to assume she is, right? But you got to get. If she is, she's able to control herself because she doesn't turn when the moon goes. Well, where where is this coming from? That she can create the werewolves. She creates him. Because no. she turns sweet, she turns Perlo into a werewolf. That's not her. That's Enos. How do you know? How is it? Is, isn't Enos dead by then? No. I, I read that. It, no, he leaves the barn. Remember that scene where Enos goes, Heh. you know, and, and Lou doesn't like it when someone laughs at him because they know more than he knows and they know that he knows more than he knows. And then he he would accept that she she set it up though, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, she definitely set it up. Okay, so maybe to your point, maybe she's not a werewolf, but she's I don't know. I, I guess, but this this conversation illustrates my main issue with these six issues, which is that this was to me not a satisfying arc. I, I in the sense that it doesn't. I'm all for leaving questions that make me want to come back for the second arc, but. I didn't feel like they left me with questions waiting to be answered. They just left me with questions. And I'm not sure I'm getting the answers. I'm not even sure we're ever going to see this again. I know you say it's volume one, but we'll see if they ever come back around to it. Because I, I think the sales were poor. Um, but I, it, first of all, I love Risso's art. So mm-hmm. so it takes a lot for me to dislike a Risso book. Um, and there were parts of this I liked. I mean, I think, you know, Vince, some of the things you talked about relative to the characters. I think Perlo's a cool character. I was vibing on him. Um, I love the setting. I think the idea of a moonshine, I think that's cool. Um, I, like, there's a lot, there's a lot to like there. There are, there are bits and pieces that could have made a phenomenal book, but I feel as though it left, it left a lot on the table. Um, it, it I, I, I think there are plenty of non sequiturs, not the least of which is, is the one you brought up relative to Enos, but, but why, I, why is the, you know, why is Lou, before he's turned into the werewolf, why is he disappearing for hours on it and not remembering it? What is this, what is the reason with which the, the Dahlia is seeing visions of his sister? And, um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I felt like this was a book that had a lot of grand ideas and kind of threw them all out there for us to ponder them, but I'm not sure we're getting a payoff. It's a extremely slow burn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I usually back away from that, but in this case, there's something about this book. It's probably the werewolves that, yeah, uh, and and the magic that's compelling me to read more. Because if it was just you know me, if it was just Goodfellas shooting it out, I probably wouldn't read past this first volume. But right. the horror elements to me are what I want to know. I want, I, I need to know. So I'm going to continue into volume two. Mm-hmm. Whenever it does arrive, yeah. Uh, well, when Jason and I read the first issue, I, I thought that 
Azzarello had a uh, he had a knack for, for the dialogue. It, it, it read all the characters sound as if you know I was reading, I was watching something off Turner Classic Movies. I thought that the uh, the setting was great. I was digging some of the characters. Um, I didn't read each issue as it was coming out, so there were a couple of months where I, I read like issue three and four back to back. But that was after a while of a long time between two and three. Uh, rereading it for tonight, it it this definitely reads better if you binge it. If if you read the trade you're probably much better off because uh, there were things that I picked up the second time uh, just and but there's still questions there's still things that don't quite add up and 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 there are there are faints where you know you besides the barn the the final scene between uh, Tempest and Dahlia I mean even that looks like it could lead you to believe that that Tempest could be a werewolf. But then again, you know, Lou is hanging out in the back where 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 the trees are. So it's it might not be. There's just there's enough it's it's almost like it's it's a sloppy mystery. They're not trying to give everything away and and they want you to kind of just trying to string you along a little bit but it's there's really not enough here where i what once once the mystery is revealed it, i mean i'm not saying all of a sudden it's you know hawk is monarch but there are just certain things where <laughs> i i i might well that's that's either very anticlimactic or that just seems like it was that makes no sense i it's there are parts of it that are very pretty, but I just there, there was more of a miss here for me. I, it, there, were, there were parts that just dragged out, and there are the parts that were just kind of um, characters were just kind of. There are a lot of characters in here, and and between all the Goodfellas and and Ducky's great Holt's clan, there's just there's there's a little bit there's more than is necessary. I feel. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, just when when you when you list it, it does sound like a lot. The werewolves, the witch woman, the ghost sister. You know, then then you get the. It's like there's a lot of ideas. There, there, well, there, there definitely is a lot of ideas, but I'm I, I don't know what it is in this instance. I'm I'm very willing to acquiesce to and the awesome. to the creative team. Strange, I, I know, but you is what you is. It, I'm glad we don't always agree. Yeah, we have other things. I'm I'm going to ask him, but I already know the answer. Jason, Vincent, did you ever get to read the Guar? Of course I did. You did, my man. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I do it. Mm. Okay, I don't want to speak on it. <laughs> I want no, no because I want to hear you speak on it. Okay. All right. I'll 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 set up the creative you set team. It up, so though, yeah, so you don't. No. 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 I'll set up the creative team. You do the rest of it. Written. <laughs> written. <laughs> this is great. Guar Orgasmageddon number one from Dynamite, written by Matt McGuire and Matt Miner, with line art by Jonathan Brandon Sawyer, Matt McGuire, Bob Brown, Scott Weigmans, 
uh, not Wegmans, Wegmans. Uh, colors by Marissa Louise, Doug Garbark, Hank Jones, and John Bailey. It's a, it's a bit of an anthology book. There's one long intro story and then two pieces of, uh, supplemental sequential art. So, Jason, tell me a little bit about this guar. I'm interested. What, what's it, what, what's, what's it about? No, you don't have to well, sign I, me I'm on going it. to presume, because admittedly I don't know much about Guar the band, that this is their their existing backstory, as it were, in terms of what they're supposed to be. Yeah, first but we get it we get an intro to them which is that the the band Guar are actually aliens from the planet Scumdogia. <laughs> uh, they were banished <laughs> to Earth. They end up having sex with apes and create human race. <laughs> uh, but then they trigger the Ice Age, so they're frozen until the 80s, where they thaw out and uh, Sleazy Martini... Gotta say the uh, P. Gotta say Sleazy P. Martini. Sleazy P. Martini. There you go. Uh, decides to turn them into the ba- most badass rock and roll band of all time. That's meta. And uh, and thus, thus begets Guar. Um, we're introduced to each of them. I presume these are the actual quote-unquote characters from the band. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. These are all in the band, I assume? Mm-hmm. Blothar, and, Balzac, they're all in the band. Yeah, and one new one. Estrogen is new. No, oh, we haven't gotten to that yet, right? This, yeah. uh, because we're introduced to just the men. Estrogen's not... In, we're not introduced to Estrogen until... until there, she's introduced later as more of a side... as a, like a side piece. Um... And uh, then we're, you know, they're performing, and then we uh, we see lots of beheadings and shootings and uh, and uh, murder, and then uh, a dude named Sawborg Destructo, who's Quar's enemy, shows up, and they quickly dispatch him. Um, and throughout all of this, there's a lot of, of of we can't we can say nothing other than it's puerile humor. Um, like uh, lead singer says, um, "My face looks like the unholy spawn of herpes and psoriasis." Um, He's, then he's we meet the uh, two, two, what? He's not the lead huh? singer. Well, whoever it is. No. I, <laughs> I mean, honestly, one of the characters, Jesus. I read um, We're introduced to two two women, Guar girls. There's uh, Slymenstra Hyman. Yes. Who's the Guar woman. And then there's Estrogena Lugubrius, who's the Guar girl. <laughs> and they jump into the fray. Then we meet Mr. Perfect, who looks like, um, he looks like Dr. Manhattan, only with, like a cross between a love child born of Doctor Manhattan and Rockslide from uh, from from uh, Generation X, um, and the and the battle ensues between between them. Uh, so you know, um, but ultimately they're being. This all comes down to all of these beings are agents for the leader of the planet with which Guar was banned from. Apparently, they need them back because of their kick acidness to fight a fight. Um, we then get a spaceship, which is a, a, a giant dick. <laughs> a dick. <ship. laughs> I, this is my Christmas present early. Oh my god! Um, for some reason, when they go back to another time period, the women's breasts get extremely large. Yeah, they embiggen. Yeah, my titties are embiggening. She says. <laughs> Um, you know, again, I'm, I don't, I don't know. Why Only that because would be. it's a different artist that drew it. That's all. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> they're, they're thinking that these revolutionary soldiers, which are, int- they're introduced to are actually sin warriors. 
that were created by Cardinal Sin, a baby-eating holy robot who survives on Jizmoglobin. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the women uh, breathe fire and and uh, and burn these soldiers trying to test them out, and it turns out they know they were just Revolutionary War soldiers. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Slimon Estra's thing. When she was, uh, I don't, she's not with Gore anymore, but uh, she was actually a fire eater, fire blower. In, oh, you uh, mean in, in on like the stage, the yeah, okay. in the performance, yeah. Got it. Um, there is a hilarious reference to the Bechdel test, which, yeah. if there was ever a comic, you wouldn't think that would reference the Bechdel test. This one, so highly self-aware. Kudos to the writer for that. Uh, Got to give them credit for that. Um, yeah, and then more craziness ensues. I mean, we get dinosaurs, we get more dick dick flights, uh, dick you know uh, dick ship. We uh, we have more shootings in the head. Um, the ass. Yeah, yeah. I I think the the book was was silly. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I dig Sawyer's art. Uh, I like some of the tongue in cheek moments, things like the Bechdel test, things like the embiggening, the dick ship. I think they were they were funny, but. It did strike me as very one note. I, I feel like I've now gotten what they're what they're putting down, and I have zero point zero interest in in the second issue. I, I don't think I'm going to get anything from the second issue that I didn't get from the first. And you know what? You're probably right. But if if you are uh, a fan of the Slave Pit, as I am, this is a breath of fresh air. It's been a long time since we had Gore comics. We uh, used to have Gore comics. Yep. Mm-hmm. Way, way way back, and I think it was a it's a it's a six issue series that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but and this is a four issue series. I don't know if you said that. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things you left out that's okay because you don't want to give it all away, right? But <laughs> totally. it, when Pustulus Maximus b- uh, busts up the controls of mm-hmm. the of the uh, the spaceship, they they go popping from time to time to time, willy nilly. And one of the, like, we, we go to, um, the Hindenburg disaster, but they go to the 90s. Yes. And they kill Kurt Cobain. Sleazy P. Martini yep. kills Kurt Cobain. And one of them, uh, the, uh, he goes, I always thought it was it's, Courtney. It was good. But yeah, before he can finish saying, I right. thought it was Courtney. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Let's, uh, mystery solved. Yeah. I got a kick out of the, uh, the whole racist tones where they're, uh, they think they're at Benihana. He's asking for a number two. I, <laughs> I, I, I laughed quite a bit at this. This, I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, cause I didn't read the Gore comics from way back when, but this is, uh, this was nuts. I, I could, I could see me reading the second issue just, if not to see whatever semblance of a story there is here goes at, at least to see, uh, so you draw it and, um, and to see what else they they shit on. I yeah, just th- th- this was neat. Just a little behind the scenes, um, Saborg Destructo, the character in the book, that's Matt McGuire. He's one of the artists, right? So he's an actual performer with Guar, mm-hmm. who drew this. So he knows these people. He's been around these people. I got to say. Um, Sleazy P. Martini is dead on. He got that little dip 
that Sleazy has in his lip and the way he talks out of the side of his mouth, even when Sleazy's sucking on a cigarette there, that is dead freaking on Sleazy P. Martini. Like, mm-hmm. I watch him all the time on um, OSI 74. Sleazy has his own show. Sleazy Pictures After Dark. And uh, it's amazing how close he got the, the caricature of Sleazy. His name, if you don't know, is, is Don Draculic. But um, I, I thought the cartooning in this was great. It's it's violent, like Jason said, extremely violent. Uh, but it's sexy too. Like when Estrogen is in the picture, he she's she's cute. Yes, she's cute. Est- or, uh, Slime and Estra, she's a little. He, he, he nailed her. I mean, that's what she. That's exactly what she looks like. But she was a little bit too, too masculine, a little, a little too masculine for me. Whatever. But uh, I, I like where this is going. It's it's all kinds of foul and disturbing. And we're going into the Cretaceous period at the end. And there's a T Rex there, which leads me to believe that maybe Gorgor will show up next issue. And Gorgor is another Gwar character. From um, what album is it? America must be destroyed. Um, it's it's uh, he's he's in the movie. It's just I just loved everything about this issue. There's no drawback. Even the startling saga of Sergeant Zipper Pig FM, and then you get uh, the the Gore Slave Follies. It's it's great. It's all great, and it's got an indie edge to it. Yet it's pub- it does, yeah. yet it's published at Dynamite. No, no doubt about that. Yeah. Winner, the big old chicken dinner, and there's a little bit of meta in it too. When uh, Mister Perfect kills Odorous Hurungus, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not gonna, it hurts my heart that you didn't think I read it. No, well, I don't. I just, I, I should know better than to second guess you. But the when thing I say, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do something. The thing is, uh, Odorous Hurungus was played by the great Dave Brocky, who died of a heroin overdose. In 2014, real life, he died, mm. and he he was the longest member of Gore. wasn't I don't believe he was ground floor original member, but mm-hmm. well, maybe he was because I, I thought up until he died, he was in every incarnation of Gore. Um, but the fact that Dave Brocky has passed is illustrated in this comic with that one panel with Mister Perfect killing. Odorous Hurungus, so you don't have to realize why Odorous isn't in this because he's he's gone. They have, they have a new lead singer who is the, uh, already in the band anyway. And some behind the scenes stuff. Um, someone mentioned earlier in the episode um, our pal and interview subject thanks to Jason, Mike Ruth actually his uh, his first variant cover, the, the, the initial variant cover that he submitted for this issue, uh, was rejected because it was deemed too controversial by Guar themselves. No, are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Break, Have you I seen some not. of the stuff Guar does on stage? Yeah, it's uh, it Cesareans was on, it, it was, was on Bleeding Cool, um, but he said the the reason why. Well, if it were to be published, if it were to be printed, uh, his Mike's fear was that um, a uh, a certain 
the 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 orange resident of the White House uh, may have forbidden oh, Mike from ever did he, was he yeah. holding Trump's head up? Decapitated Trump? Was that it? It may have been some pissing involved as well. Oh, PP tape. Nice. But uh, so, I did had, you know this was a Kickstarter book? I did not. No, I didn't know that either. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm glad it got funded because I'm loving every damn page of this thing. Mm-hmm. Or did it? And that's why Dynamite. Yeah. If you have a Roku, tune into OSI 74 and watch Sleazy P. It's a lot. And, and Mr. Lobo. Do I have a Roku? You do, right? <laughs> it's. I love my Roku for that very region. Mm. Reason. Uh, Monster Madhouse. Yes. Jonathan Brandon Sawyer will be at HeroesCon. Yay! Uh, fun fact: Jason's always bandying about mm-hmm. the, his original art acquisitions do you know that i have an original illustration of odorous orungus by none other than matthew allison do you really mm-hmm. it's a full page too mm. 11 by 17 i did not know that yep or did not know that david knew that because david pays attention to me oh, dude Dude. Come on, bro. No, you did me proud with this quark. I, I was I very much enjoyed hearing you recap this issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dick ship. Oh, the dick ship, I love it. And I passed on the original they did some Guar action figures. There was a f- initial mm-hmm. set of three, and I passed on them and now forget it. And and um Sleazy P. Martini, he's he's a very accomplished artist and filmmaker. He designed if it's one of those things that I like to say that without the pulps, you would not have the superheroes. Without Sleazy P. Martini, a.k.a. Don Draculic, you would never have the gore stage presence. It's all it, – I shouldn't say it's all him. A lot – his influence is very strong. But to get where I was going in a long roundabout way, he does these little sculptures of, of gore members. They're beautiful and cute and super deformed and you can get them on eBay, but I passed on them too. It's like, what is wrong with me? I don't know. It's, I've been trying to figure that out for decades. As have we. Yes. But my heart is, it's so warm now. It's like, like the Grinch. Aww. Yeah. Aww. So Aww. what else do we have? What else? Oh, Jason, should we be uh, thinking about wrapping this bad boy up? Because, you know, it's getting close to crunch time. Hey, man, that's on you. You produce. All right. Well, we do do have it in your travels. And um, this will be a somewhat, probably by the time we get done with it in your travels, we'll be close to the regular uh, time. Um, A somewhat truncated episode because we are heading off to Heroes in, Mm -hmm. in less than 30 Two hours? 31 hours? Uh, we'll be hitting the road in uh, 32 hours. Nice. So you got to forgive us for that. But you're going to get a bunch of extra bonus content if you are a Patreon peep. Now, we're not going to go deep on the Patreon. Let's just say, please, investigate our Patreon. Uh, and if you would be so kind and you think it's valuable and worthwhile... Why don't you kick in and you'll get all sorts of cool stuff. Jason, where can they get the pap- the Patreon? Uh, Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So Patreon.com slash 11 O'Clock Comics. So it would be the number 11 
o'clock comics all one word so patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics yeah check out our shirts on the threadless check out yes. our uh, 11 o'clock comics homepage. there's a lot of brilliant Ooh, yes brilliant content on that from david and jason and uh, that's 11 o'clock comics.com and if you want to save money on your comics because that's a natural instinct, right? Go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. You will never, ever find comics cheaper. Point blank. It's the truth from Valiant. Divinity mm-hmm. number zero will cost you $1.99. From IDW, Donald and Mickey number one, 48 freaking pages for two ninety nine, And at Image, it's Daniel Warren Johnson's Extremity trade paperback of volume one subtitled artist for eight dollars and 49 cents in your travels once again i'm going to implore you to read one of in my estimation the best things in my box every other month from discount comic book service it is curated by the powerhouse team of Clizia Gussoni and the great Craig Yo, published by IDW and Yo Books. It's Weird Love number 18. Now, I'm not going to go super deep on this because, you know, we're on a time frame. But um, the artists in this issue include The Iger Shop, Bill Montez, Dick Giordano, Emil Gershwin, Art Capello, Art Gates. There's two stories in here that set my frickin' world on fire because I think they're they're masterpieces and they were both published by ACG, both of which appeared in Romantic Adventures. The first one is called When You're in Love. <laughs> um, and it's the story of the strange and wondrous things that happen when you're in love, such as physical changes in the human... Uh, Body. What, what do you mean? Well, Mousy Elaine uh, lives in a. She she has an uneventful, solitary existence. And she's like, all right, I'm gonna go to the big city. Maybe I'll get a good job. Maybe I'll find love. I'm gonna try it. So she's lured by the promise of adventure and romance and excitement. And six months later, uh, her life is the same old crap. But she's in the big city. She's got a crappy job. She spends nights alone in a boarding house with books. She goes to the movies by herself on the weekend, but she's a dreamer. And she fantasizes of a handsome night that'll come and take her away for it all. And she, and she snaps back to reality, and all she has is ugly Larry Webster, who shares a room at the, at the, the boarding house with her. And, um, Larry's a lot like Elaine. You know, he came to the city, he lacks confidence, he dreams of being that dashing knight, what do you know, to whisk that damsel off her feet. But Larry's not too keen on Elaine either. They hate each other. Um, they they spit and call each other names and huff and, and storm out. But both of their lives change. Wouldn't you know it when they leave their windows open one night, both of them leave their damn windows open, and in to their rooms mysteriously wafts this this invitation what they get an invitation to the uh the society event of the season right and and they both go they get all dolled and dapper up and 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 go to the event but when they try to get in they find out that they can't get in without an escort oh how are they going to solve this problem right but the the thing that i find 
brilliant about this story is they're both seen by themselves and other characters in the book as ugly when they're apart. But naturally, you know what happens. They both reluctantly escort each other in just to get into the damn thing and they end up falling in love. But their physical features change as their confidence and as their lives changes, their their minds, their brains change, and they they will their physical features to change. You guys fans of the Talking Heads? Yes. Yeah. Do you ever hear the song Seen and Not Seen when the protagonist of the song is looking in the mirror and he's not too happy with what he sees and he subtly tr- he changes his physical appearance in accord with the, 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 the stars and the celebrities that, that he admires? Over a period of time, he notices his features change changing and that's what happens in this book it, it, this story it's nuts they're they're ugly but at the end they're in love and they're happy and they're 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 holding hands and they've 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 found their dreams and characters are talking about them and one guy says outside of the train he's like i could have swore those two people when they got on their ugliest sin now look at them they're the best looking couple i've ever seen so there's like a physical transformation it's nuts it's crazy and and the second story also from ACG is called He Can Be Different and it's about it's only three pages but it's about Ivy and the way she changed her man subtly the the dude was a catch but he wore really ridiculous suits like he, his his suits are red and black vertical stripes with a polka dot tie and he thinks he looks great and she's like oh my god he, his clothes are so loud. What will I do? And she actually gives advice to her friend on how to change a man subtly without losing him in three pages. Like she tells him, she, she tells him, yeah, I don't know. I'm not digging that, these loud, uh, clothes on other people. And the guy's not picking it up, what she's putting mm-hmm. down. But eventually she, she frames it in a way where he's like, oh shit, I better get my act together because she's going to leave me. And he changes and he's like, comes to the door in, in a nice suit but um he she made him change but he didn't think that she made him do it one of those women things you know it's such a cool story but it's the art that that really got me and, and i'm going to put uh examples from both of these stories on our gallery that is accompanying this episode now remember weird nice. love number 18 one of the best books on the stands every other month they alternate. Haunted Horror comes out one month. Weird Love comes out the next month. So props to Clesia and uh, Craig for doing a, a bang-up job all the time. Awesome. Yeah. Was that long? I'm sorry. No, no. We're going to get to see Craig this weekend. Uh, let's see. Yo. I know. And you travels. Cannot wait. What did you read? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, and your travels... Travel your ass down to Charlotte to see us at Heroes Con. Yes, sir. Uh, let us know. Hit us up on the Twitters or uh, the Facebook group page. Um, we could try to, you know, we'll all see where everybody is. But, um, yes, if, if, if you're down there, let us know. Uh, love to meet you. And, um, you know, I, I tend to, aside from the, usual uh goals i have at a con i want to find as many mage and grendel tail issues that i could find 
I think this year I'm also going to keep an eye out for um, Amazing Heroes. Some, aside from Amazing Heroes. <laughs> Because that's that that I mean that's that's a given, right? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, E-Man. Wow. Yeah, I I, I miss I, I had various issues here and there over the years, and uh, I want to um, want to read some more E-Man. So basically, what I'm saying is, and you try, and we say this every so often, um, but uh, hit up some back issue bins, even if it's something you may not have, uh, something you may have read. You know, a while ago and, and just never thought about too much or, uh, want to rekindle that fire or just look for something new. I, you will find us especially since, uh, we tend not to go into too deep. I mean, yeah, we, we, we will hit the dealers on at, at, at New York Comic Con and, and C2E2 and see what they have in some of the boxes. But I, I cannot wait to see Vince at Heroes going just, and I mean, with so much room and, and it, it, it really is. It's. Yeah, you're not going to feel cramped. It's a different world. Yeah, no, it's, you'll, you'll, it's so much, we will, we will have plenty. It's almost going to be like that, that, like the first or second year we went to New York Comic Con. Oh, we just stop. had to, and I, and oh, I came so home good. with like all those goddamn Daredevil issues by, uh, by, by, by Romita Jr. and, and Williamson. And it, it, it's written by Jason's fan favorite, Innocenti. But there were just so many, um, yeah, you're going, you're, you're going to absolutely love Heroes Vince. But, uh, yeah, just, just hit the back issue Vince. Especially, uh, I know that, uh, there, there is at least another convention. I think in, in around the DC area this weekend. Um, so there, there, you can get out and, and get D to a, uh, to a back issue bin. But yeah, just, just have fun. Go, go look for older books you may not have read or just read a long time ago and kind of forgot about. Honestly, got paper. What? Paper. Paper. It's convention season, bruh. I love it. Yes. Speaking of loving, there is someone that we all love and adore. That we inadvertently forgot to shout out in our lengthy bonus Sunday previews dissection. And I'm going to remedy that right now. Yes. In the Marvel section, Star Wars Dr. Afra annual number one written by Kieran Gillen with amazing, I'm sure, art by Mr. Mark Laming. Yes. Wow, yes. I, I know we missed it. Yeah, we will. So apologies for missing it for those of you that, uh, that, uh, did listen to our Sunday episode and we, we dug deep. That was an oversight. And as I explained to Mark, uh, blame, uh, our heads, not our hearts. I just honestly am so far behind on the Star Wars comics. I've been continuing to buy them, but I'm, I'm at least a year and a half behind on most of them. I haven't read a single Dr. Afro comic yet, so it just wasn't on my radar, but apologies. Um, now, in terms of um, in your travels, if you heed Dap's request and make your way down to Charlotte to see us, then what I need you to do is stop by Mr. Jay Gonzo's table and pick up all the issues of La Mano del Destino. Indeed. Because the much-anticipated, and I think, what, five, six years in the making um, from the start of the series, uh, issue number five 
is uh, has been printed. I done seen it. Yes. And it will be waiting for us, our physical copies. But um, for those of you who may not remember our prior discussions of this, this is Gonzo's love letter to uh, Lucha. And it follows uh, our titular hero, Lamano Del Destino, on his quest for greatness. And most specifically, to earn his right to fight for the title against La Calavera, who is the uh, world champion. And um, I won't spoil the book, but I will say that issue five is indeed the title match. So we get the battle. And uh, it's it's amazing. I can't wait to see the physical in person. Gonzo was kind enough to share a digital copy for us to peruse. Um, but uh, by all means, check it out if you're there. And if you're not there, if you can't make it to Charlotte, shame on you, but we understand. Um, and in, in that case, you have an alternative, which is to go to um, Castle and Key Publications um, and go on the order button, or you can go straight to the, to the store and go to store.acmeprints.com backslash Castle and Key Publications. And you can get all kinds of cool Gonzo merch, including issues one, two, three, and four of Lamana for two fifty a piece, which is a bargain at twice the price. Seriously, and it's beautiful. It is. Mm-hmm. I love what he does in the early pages of this. It's a recap, uh, a cartoon or cartoon-like recap. Yeah. Um, they almost look like the human. What the humans look like. Like Inspector Clouseau in the old Pink Panther cartoon, <laughs> which I adored. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again. Join us at Heroes if you can. We'll leave a couple of seats open for you. In the meantime, you know, come back when this is done because David's going to get all salty like a pretzel. Can't have mm-hmm. it. Say good night. David. Oh, nice cutoff. Stinger. Good night. David. Mm, I think there was a little lag there. I had to wait. I had that, there's that right second. Okay. Jason, what do you think about his performance on that? <laughs> Spot on. Oh, yeah. You're just saying that because you're going to be seeing him in two days. Well, one day. <laughs> Day and a half. I know. Giddy. Take it all in. Giddy like fitty. Don't see it. I see it. We will be back. Aside from, yes, aside from the little uh, recorded antics we'll be supplying, we will be back next week with our our usual uh, recap-filled episode. Mm. To our, our patrons, jump on the Patreon site and give us... Road trip questions, things you'd like us to riff on. We're going to be on the road for 10-plus hours uh, on each way, so almost a full day's worth of traveling during the next week. So we're going to have lots to chit-chat about. We're going to record lots of bits and vignettes. So give us some talking points. You never know. We might use one. We will use them all if they send them well, to us. I, I don't know about that if we get deluded, but we will try and use some that, that uh, float our boat. Cool. Excellent. Good night, people. Safe travels if you're going. If not, we'll see you in a little while. You'll hear us in a little while. Bye. Bye. Bye.